And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Taylor Payne. This is Pod on the Tyne, and we are officially back. My God, we've missed you, and I've missed you two chaps as well. We've got George Colton here, direct from the States. How are you doing, George? I'm slightly jet-lagged, yes, I'm okay. I flew back in to London this morning from wherever it is I have been, and I am trying to catch up on sleep, so I thought this podcast would be a good place to start. Bless you. That is commitment, George. Well done. And Chris Woff is here as well. Chris, how the devil are you? Uh, yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. Yeah, I'm just waiting for George to return a phone call to me from 13 days ago. Uh, so, hello, George. Nice <laughs> nice to speak to you. Um, did you call me 13 days ago? Yes, I did, yeah. And you said, I'll call you later on this afternoon. Please. Can you say that a bit higher, George? Yeah, exactly, yeah. I yeah, thought you were, then, you were in a car and you said you were going to call me back later on. No, no, no. You said you would call me later on. So, no, no. I say the excuse oh, is correct. Now, first of, all, first of all, he plays as if he doesn't remember it. Oh, did he? And then now, oh, no, suddenly it comes back all of a sudden. But no, I'm, I've been fine. You know, Taylor, over the last 10 days, I, in my paternity world, we've started weaning. And if I can make a comparison between how difficult that has been, it's basically like trying to have a conversation with George where you don't want to constantly punch yourself in the face because the outcome you want to come from that just simply just is not happening. So uh, it's very much been a case of me putting food in front of James and him not consuming any of it so far. So, yeah. Uh, it feels like Chris is on sort of is in, is in, <laughs> is in tournament mode already. He's not like just in He's antagonising, isn't he? He's gone straight yeah. in. Yeah. Straight in. How are you, Taylor? I'm great, man. I'm brilliant. Yeah, I'm, I'm buzzing to be back doing this. It's great fun uh, to be back. I'm happy to see your lovely smiling faces, mostly. Uh, and it's just nice to be thinking and talking about Newcastle United again, isn't it? It's It's been a long, old summer. I don't think I quite realised how much I missed football until I loved football again. And and I've really missed it this year. It's been really hard. So I didn't realise how much I missed football until I then watched pre-season friendlies. And then I realised, no, nah, football can do one for another couple of weeks. Come back with the serious stuff. Your favourite thing in the world, George. I've very much enjoyed that George has had to do pre-season friendlies. This is this. Oh is, no, it's been that's cheered me up. It's, it's been absolutely mint in the in the states. We'll chat a lot about that. But um, one of the recurring themes will be to say thank you to everybody. Who listens to us? I mean, I think it's that daft sort of thing where we feels like you know we're we're doing these things in our little offices or rooms in our houses, and yeah, we know people from Newcastle listen to us, but the number of people in the states who actually came up and said, "Hey, you're from Putney Town," and who listen and sub- subscribe, uh, I feel like my family has grown exponentially in the last week, 10 days. So many people came over and hugged and chatted and talked about the family that is Newcastle. Really good, and so. Yes, I mean, I'm I'm joking. The, the, those matches were actually pretty good over in the States, but the stuff that surrounded it, that sense of community was just absolutely incredible. How many times did you cry, George? 
I got a bit teary. Well, Constantly from well, the minute he got off the plane we, until the minute he landed back in England. When, when I got to Atlanta, I nearly cried through the sheer weight of meat that I'd eaten. I was like, this is this is why Chris needs to do pre-season. Chris has leaned in. Like, Chris has Philly cheesesteak cheese nearly finished me off. And then walking around. So you know I'm not great with heat. Or I should rephrase that. I'm not great with sweating. To put that a different way, I'm really great at sweating because I can't yawn without you know without without sweat pouring out of my skull. So I've been dealing with 91 degrees Fahrenheit heat. The Atlanta, it was raining 91 degrees Fahrenheit and rain, and it's like I can't get my head around this. I cannot get my head around this. But no, it's been a really, really, really great trip. Lovely stuff. Right then. Chaps, yes, we are back. And while it was a fairly short break, an awful lot has happened since we last potted at you. Uh, we'll talk about the club and the team, of course. But first up, we have a few headlines where Pod and the Tyne is concerned. Uh, with Newcastle United competing in Europe, we have decided to go twice Ooh. weekly. Uh, so instead of... Mm. Oh, I know, listen to that. That's excitement, that, isn't it? Uh, instead of one hour-long show, you can expect two editions of Pod on the Time, the usual Monday offering, uh, with a second show on a Thursday. Each one is going to be roughly 35 to 40 minutes. What do we think of that, chaps? Well, that's twice as much work, isn't it? <laughs> Whose idea was this? It's good to hear the enthusiasm. Well, uh, we... we it's back. It, it's become a tradition, hasn't it, that um, we record the podcast, then something major happens, and therefore we've missed it. Yes, absolutely. Does this now mean that, w- that that's going to happen less often? That we'll, we're just trying to counteract it, aren't we're we? We're trying to act it, yeah. Twice Everything as many Everything now will happen on a Wednesday and on yeah. a Sunday. But, so so basically, we're going Champions League, aren't we? I mean, that's what we're doing. We're, we're, we've, got, we've now got a, a midweek show. I'm worried a bit like Eddie Howe, that this is going to stretch our squad to breaking point. I'm concerned about... <laughs> Have the we got enough depth? I, I, Jacob's already skived off this one. Yeah, I'm going exactly. to Australia to cover the Women's World exactly. Cup. Yeah. Um, so I, I am scared that our resources are going to be stretched to, to breaking point and that this might result in us ending up very, very much mid-table. We'll just draft in the youth team for a couple of episodes. Chris's son, uh, I'll get the dog on. You know, we'll just we'll bring in the B squad. You know, it'll be fine. We can't make any less sense. Let's be honest. What What would be the B squad be up below us? I mean, God, God knows what's below that. Just dragging random people in off the street. Do you want to host a podcast? Crack on. Um, anyway. Uh, There are many more ways for you, the listener, to get involved as well this season. You can email us, uh, and the address for that is podonthetine at theathletic.com. Feel free to email him whatever you want, suggestions, recipes for Chris for certain types of meat, uh, whatever it is you want to do, but don't clog it up with adverts for pills for your willy, because we don't need those. Um, (laughs) And if uh, we've also signed up to Twitter... Uh, or X, if that's what you want to call it now. I don't know how they're going to do that, but uh, it's at Pod on the Time for that. But if you already follow us individually, uh, you'll soon know all about that through the Twitter feeds. Uh, and last, but by no means least, and this is possibly, I think, the thing I'm most excited about in the change-ins and the, and the new things this season. We are going live. That's right. Join us on the evening of October the 12th at the Gosforth Civic Theatre. Uh, tickets will be on sale from 10 a.m., on Tuesday the 1st of August. We're going to put the links out for this uh, on all of our Twitter feeds uh, first thing tomorrow morning, that's the 1st of August, so you'll be able to find all the links on there and purchase your tickets for that event. Uh, That should be fun, chaps, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, all 
all I'd say about that is I'm a little bit annoyed that it's not closer to where I live. I mean, I did suggest that we should actually be hosting this in my own house. Just what is it in yards, George, from your front door to this Gosforth Civic Theatre? It's it's like minus 10 <laughs> yards to my... So... The after party is the yours, after party is at mine. So, yeah, yeah. V- if you get a vi- if you're lucky enough to get a VIP wristband, no. But we're very excited. The Gosforth Civic Theatre is a brilliant venue. I, I do go there quite regularly. They have fantastic gigs there. We know uh, some very passionate and great Newcastle fans who are involved there, and yeah, can't wait. Uh, can't wait to do that. It'll be a bit different for us and, and fun, and I'm sure we'll have lots of uh, lot, yeah, we'll have lots of fun on the night. Absolutely, it should be a great laugh. Uh, looking forward to doing that. Right then, chaps, let's move on. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. That's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So as we mentioned in part one, George has been hightailing it around the east coast of America with the team for the fixtures in the Premier League Summer Series. George, how have you found it over there? Yeah, it's been overwhelming, really. I think I've found it a bit similar to the way Eddie Howe's found it, actually, in the sense that very little intimacy. So quite often on these pre-season tours, and Chris will tell you about Austria this time last year, you go to a far-flung place, the team train, they're in a hotel, it's all very, you know, it's all very good. But you get to spend a bit of time with them in their company. This was totally different. This was high-profile. It's the Premier League Summer Series, so they're playing three high-profile matches. There's not a lot of training, so Eddie Howe talked about that at the, uh, after the last match against Brighton, that they've not been able to train, really. And again, because it's the Premier League there have been a lot lot of events for the squad to go to. So it's been a lot of travelling, a lot of moving around, those three high-profile games, and then a lot of events. So it's been really good. It's just not had that sort of intimate feel 
um, that you quite often get, you know, for pre-season training camps. But this is now the sort of world that Newcastle are in and want to be in. Um, The thing that I've loved most about the trip is, as I was saying earlier, this chance to get to meet and speak to so many of our American fan base. Absolutely staggering the quantity of people absolutely staggering the number of people who came up and said hello and who uh who wished us all the best oh, please say hi to to taylor and jacob and mostly please keep on giving chris a hard time I just say that yeah i just love george when he makes fun of chris that's my favorite part of bottom of time for sure um but also a couple of people saying please stop bullying him you're a terrible human being <laughs> That was just our HR department. Yeah, but 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 just I was absolutely blown away by that and blown away by some of the stories of how people have either found Newcastle or how uh, or how Newcastle found them. And before the first game, there was a tailgate in Philly, and of course that's a very traditional American thing to do before their big sporting events where people get together they hang about in the car park they open their boots and they have drink and there was a Newcastle tailgate in Philly and I went along and yeah spoke to quite a few of the people there Every season is like a journey, isn't it? And for me, 2023-24 begins here in the Moynihan train hall, Penn Station, New York City, where I'm waiting for a train to take me to Philadelphia, where Newcastle United are playing their first of three pre-season matches over here. And I'm feeling excited and optimistic, and I'm looking forward to seeing some football again, albeit friendlies I don't really like very much, but it's a great privilege and pleasure to be over here and I guess as I start out what I'm mostly wondering is what this season will feel like I mean it's been so brilliant since the takeover there's been that feeling of lightness that feeling of excitement and energy and the team have sort of overtaken us as a as fans and journalists you know they've been better than we could have expected and hoped for but now they've got to this point they're in the Champions League do we expect them to be good from this point? And does that change the feeling that we associate them? Anyway, I'm going to bring you some sights and sounds from the tour. Thanks for listening. Here we are again, start of all the madness. We are sailing to Philadelphia A world away from the cold time Kevin Sperry, Bill Mann. And you're from the Mischief of Magpies podcast. Yes. And you've organised this, this madness. Well, it was, a, it was a team effort. We organised it along with uh, Toon Army Philly and Toon Army DC primarily, and then Toon Army NYC, Toon Army Baltimore, which is called the Mogtown Mags, and Toon Army Lehigh Valley, which is a smaller community in Pennsylvania. But they came out and they showed up and everything... Everybody helped out. And there's what? What do you reckon? A thousand people here, maybe more? 
Uh, there's definitely been about a thousand people who have come through uh, this afternoon. We started at 1.30 and uh, yeah, it's been building and uh, yeah, so pretty exciting. Hi, I'm Josh Downey. I am part of Philly Max. So tell me what tailgating is all about. So tailgating started with American football and you just come and you join with all the fans of your team and you drink and you have food and a good time and just get ready to enjoy the game. It's a car park, Josh. It is a car park, but you just make the best of it. You play party games, picnic games, cornhole, beer pong, whatever. I got into football back in 2010. I was a big Bundesliga fan. I lived in Germany and I worked with a guy from Edinburgh and he was a huge Newcastle fan. And he kind of taught me everything it meant to be a Geordie and the passion. And my family's originally from Pittsburgh, which is kind of the Sunderland of Philly. Luke Schaefer, 34. 2002, I, wa I didn't have cable. I was watching the U trying to watch the U.S. in the World Cup, uh, watching the ESPN refresh, like, goals at 2 a.m. in the morning. Uh, fell in love with the game. Bought FIFA. New Manchester United, new Arsenal. Didn't want any part of them. Uh, went down the list, saw Newcastle, and then saw a picture of Alan Shearer, bandaged up and bloodied, and said, that's my team. And survived two relegations with them. It's been terrible, but there's hope now. And so it's actually fun being a Newcastle fan. Uh, MJ Betters, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Please, can you tell me the story? You've just told me off mic, but can you tell me the story of, of why Newcastle and how you've come to be a Newcastle supporter? So there's a little town about 30 minutes of Pittsburgh called Newcastle, Pennsylvania, and I have family there. And when I was a young child, about five, I thought it was the same place. And I had people show me VHS, VHS tapes of Alan Shearer highlights. And so I was rooting for Newcastle, watching a guy who I thought was, you know, the Michael Jordan of soccer. And it happened to be in Newcastle, where I thought my family was from. It was years later I realized it was in, in England. You must have regretted this terrible decision so many times. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so for about you know, 20 years of pain because I, was too, I didn't understand geography as a child. <laughs> so I've been a fan since 1980. There was a group uh, called the Friendship Force that came over with Jimmy Carter in 1979. I was 10, and we stayed with a family from Tynemouth, and they took us to a match, which now feels like pretty irresponsible because like 1980s that was that was hard times right like that was uh but uh i just never forget as uh, someone from a small town in north carolina walking into st james's park and seeing the pitch and really the thing that did it for me was when the the sound when we score right i've never heard anything quite like that I was giving myself a whole year to follow three teams, and after two weeks, I was hooked on Newcastle. And I'm still around after all those years of Mike <laughs> Ashley. I never jumped ship. And that, a lot of these guys here have a very similar story where, you know, they're from a blue-collar town who love their sports, and, they, and they, when, they, when they dive into a team, they, they live that team. Pittsburgh's kind of a small, passionate city, hardworking steel industry, just like the boat industry in the mooring. And I just really gravitated to the passion war flags all of that and uh it just means everything to me so i've been coming to games at the pub here in philly since january the carabao cup yeah, yeah. and uh unfortunately my the guy who got me into the team he passed this fall and i was really hoping i i resonated with your story and your your dad and and i i felt the heartbreak because i could relate and well i'm, I'm very i'm very sorry about that no yeah, yeah absolutely. Thank, you. thank you i've been a fan for 43 years now many of that it was hard to follow the club just because just because you know following them was basically looking in the sunday paper for the table but then also they were hard because it was tough to watch but 
my son, who's now 18, really dragged me back in. My son said, well, if you root for Newcastle, I'm going to root for Newcastle. And it's been a great thing for my family to have, you know, something to uh, root for in common. And, you know, they're 4,000 miles away from us. And, and yet, you know, you see things like this and you feel like you're home. You feel like this is, Kevin and I described this as a, a reunion. How do you feel about how things have gone over the last year and a half, the last two years? Oh, it's been so exciting. It's, it's been amazing. It, it, my son now is excited to watch games that are competitive and just fun to watch, a different style of football versus parking the bus. No expectation right now, and we're still now that's coming in, and, and we might have some more sour days in the future, I don't know, but just enjoying the wave right now. I, I don't know how to feel. I'm just enjoying every moment of it. What do you think next season looks like, and what do you think represents a good season next season because I think we're way ahead of schedule. Oh, absolutely. So that's why it's going to be such a challenge for the whole team this season because we are so far ahead of schedule. What everyone wants to simply see is continued growth. And that's what we wanted to see this year and we never expected to grow as much as we did. But that happens on and off the pitch as well. And we've seen both ends of the growth last season where now the team is reaching out to fans and there's such a great communication channel between the club and even fans like us in America, we feel like we're very tied into what they're doing. So, you know, I don't think, I don't expect a top uh, fourth place finish like we got this year. It would be great to get back in the Champions League again, but just continued effort, continued growth, and to see a real system that's in place for a longevity, a, a long-term growth, that's what I want to see. I am kind of cautiously optimistic. I mean, to me, I think Champions League is just a bonus, personally. But I'd love to see us get an exciting draw, Milan, Barcelona. Um, but I think top six, I think we might take a small step back because of all the competitions. But I think that's to be expected. We're doing this the right way. We still can enjoy this season. Obviously, the goal is now still top four, which I've never been through a season like that, so I don't know how to have an expectation for it. But I believe in Eddie. I believe in the ownership. I believe in the, the players they brought in have... I mean, Harvey Barnes is here today. That's pretty incredible. Um, so, I don't know. I'm still just going to enjoy the ride. I'd still say top six is a huge accomplishment for us yeah, next yeah. year, especially with Liverpool and, and Arsenal retooling and teams Chelsea. I don't know what Chelsea's doing, but they <laughs> still retooling. So, top six. Uh, and if we could get out of the group in the Champions League, I think that would be pretty phenomenal. I'm excited. To me, it's just... There's hope. As you guys have talked about so much, there's hope again. There's belief, and that's what sport is about. Hope and belief. And to come here and be with friends and family. I mean, I don't know you, but it's like family and talking to a brother. You're my family, Josh. Exactly. I don't know how you feel about it, George, but I feel like this last year was one of the most special things that I've ever experienced. And, you know, in the U.S., we're very heavily dominated by four clubs in terms of fanship. And we were talking to some people the other day who were Liverpool fans. Like, look, you will never experience what Newcastle United fans experienced this year in terms of coming from the darkness to the light. So I have my thoughts about what this next year will be like. On some levels, I don't care. I feel like we're playing with house money a little bit. I don't want to see a regression. I think we're probably... We will do as well as we are capable of avoiding injuries, especially in key places. But if we, 
if just so we don't regress, I'm going to be happy because this last year for me put us on house money. George, we are a little more than a year away from people being really fucking excited that they wash the windows. <laughs> right? right? Like, we, we're not that far away. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I wash the windows on the label. I've never been so Lovely stuff, that, George. Fantastic stuff. I always thought tailgating was just driving right up somebody else's arse who was in front of you, but apparently it's something completely different to that. It sounds like great fun, though. Yeah, it was brilliant. It was baking hot, but it had been brilliantly organised, so there was this sort of big section under kind of temporary roofing in this car. I mean, it is just standing around in a car park, let's be honest. But <laughs> but And they'd, they'd made Newcastle fans feel really welcome. So, yeah, so huge shout-out to all those people I chatted to, who I've then bumped into again, a lot of them in Atlanta and some in New Jersey as well. Um, but feel like I sort of started relationships which are going to carry on. And I was very sort of emotionally touched by people saying, this feels like a reunion, a reunion with people you've never met before. And it feels like family talking to you like a brother and so yeah I'm, you know Josh and Bill and all, all the others I just want to say thank you so much for making us all feel very welcome and I just love those I love those stories you know thinking Newcastle was a small town 30 miles away from Pittsburgh because you'd seen an Alan Shearer VHS thing and seeing Shearer with a bloodied and bandaged head thinking yeah they're the team for me and it's like yeah world of pain that'll do that'll do nicely. Where would we host a tailgating thing in Newcastle City Centre? Would it be like the NCP car park and opposite the City Baths? Where, where, where would you actually be able to host it? Tesco's car park, Kingston Park. <laughs> There's enough size there. Park and ride. Nice transport links. Park and park ride. Park and ride, exactly. Yeah. Tailgate and ride. Yeah, so there isn't that same... We don't have that same uh, tradition, do we, of sort of driving to the match, particularly not Newcastle, because it's so, it's so central. So, But uh, obviously... There's something I think we'll talk about in our second show this week. The club now do have kind of big plans to to uh, to jazz up the the area around the ground on a match day. But it's I think that's I do think that's great. Instead of ju- it just being the place that you go to, you roll in from the pub, actually get together beforehand and chat and meet up. It was a proper sort of community feel to it. Really very funny, but really really great. And as I say, that is the thing that I'll be bringing back from America the Newcastle United community over there is vibrant it's passionate it's every bit as passionate and vibrant as it is as it is at home and I can't wait to see some of those some of those guys at St James's which we've loosely organized to do so Chris's eyes light up there the thought of a car park full of meat and beer it just sounds like your dream doesn't it yeah, I mean, I'm devastated that it isn't a tradition here, and we should start it. Absolutely, let's do that. Uh, quite a few mentions of family there, George, uh, and it seems like the club's opened its arms to a favourite son or two as well. Uh, great to see a reversal of the shameful attitude of former player Sean under Mike Ashley, uh, and you've had a chat with uh, Shea Given recently as well, haven't you? Yes, so I wrote about the tailgate for the for the Athletic, and I also wrote about Shea. So there was there were events before all three matches in all three cities, Philly and Atlanta, and then Harrison. And the club sort of booked out a room and a pub or that that sort of thing. And Shea and Shola Amiobi went along. And there were also representatives from the clubs there. Darren Eels was certainly at the Philly one. But I went to the Atlanta one, absolutely broiling 
hot day, unbelievable uh, weather, and stood at the back and listened to to Shay and 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 Shola sort of talk about the club now and uh, the club back in their days, tell some funny stories and anecdotes, and seeing Shay involved with television in the past few months at, regularly at Newcastle has been great. And then this thing where he's serving as a club ambassador on this tour, I just think is is really special and very valuable. The circumstances of his departure from Newcastle was tough. The way you know the, the the club portrayed him at the time was awful, saying that he was sort of forcing his way out. He was kind of obliged to put in a transfer request, and then you know the club then said they had no choice but to accept it. All the rest of it. And I think that sourness was sort of allowed to to linger because whether it was Shea, whether it was Alan, whether it was a lot of the others, there was no attempt by the club to build bridges. There was no attempt by the club to sort of embrace that history. And now that is happening everywhere. And, well, you'll hear a bit from Shea now, but he's an absolute legend. I mean, that word gets thrown around too much, but he's in the top three of most appearance makers ever for Newcastle. He's way ahead in terms of the modern era and was at the club during an often brilliant time and you know we should treasure him he should feel treasured and yeah that was a real highlight from this trip too yeah i mean it's amazing amazing to come here today and see so many black and white shirts like across the other side of the world you know so and i said on the stage it's, it's the better eddie and the team and the, the way the club is just sort of it seems like just a kickstart again really it's, yeah. it's, it's, it was dying a slow death, wasn't it? So it feels like it's, it's, it's got the jump leads out and, 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 and now we're back up and running again. And, and as I said, on there, there's hope and excitement. And, and you know, you can speak to the fans, you know, they're all buzzing to, for the yeah. new season. They're buzzing for the Champions League. They're, you know, it's the reason I joined Newcastle all those years ago was supposed to be part of this sort of journey and this excitement. And, you know, it's probably not been that exciting since maybe then as well, you know, maybe on the Bobby Robson. But it's just nice to, to feel, feel part of something quite special again. And I mean, I know you're doing these three events, but yeah. you're properly immersed with the team, aren't you? Yeah, team yeah, so, yeah. I mean, what, what exactly? What are you doing about well, from these? Well, I mean, it's been quite an eye opener because I'm not being on a tour like this before. Obviously, as a player, loads, of course. But, yeah. But as, as, as an ambassador for the football club, you know. Are you officially an ambassador? Well, I'm not an official ambassador. I'm just on this club on this trip as an ambassador. You know, there's no there's no permanent thing or anything. You know, but maybe one day, who knows, George? But um, I've really enjoyed it, and obviously. You know, every day with you know the owners and and you know with Dan and and then watching the training with Eddie and his staff and having dinner with the lads and all that kind of stuff. You know, so they've been really accommodating, really open doors for me. You know, and 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 I don't know. I suppose it made me feel really welcome and it's quite refreshing. You know, because you go away from the club and say I wasn't back since '09 and. It feels like a part of you is missing because that was that was a long feels time like in my life. Huh? Feels like part of you is missing. A part of part of yeah. what you done in your life was missing because yeah, it yeah. felt that the door was closed, you know. And it feels like it's open again. And that sort of sounds about I don't know what the word is, but it's it's quite nice to be part of the club again, you know. And and they talk about it in front of events like this, and and actually talk about passion and, and talking about the club as as I knew it and and what well, you know it better better than me, but. You know, to live the club for nearly 12 years and, and, and live in the city and to know what it means to the fans and stuff, you know. I think you've got to be there and in that sort of whatever you want to call it, bubble, but it, it was an exciting bubble to be in and I think it's, it's that it's coming round again, you know. Um, and now obviously I'm on a different a different side of it as, as in representing the club, you know, and, and, and trying to, I suppose, get more fans. But after today's event, we might not, have to, we might not need too many more fan events because it was so busy, but... It's just nice to be part of um, you know the club again, really, and, and as I say, like the owners and 
and you know Dara, the CEO, has been he's been so open with the fans, and as I said on the stage, it's not just I don't think it's just talk. It's actually genuine. He's actually he goes to different fan events the same way as Atlanta. You know the tailgating and, and, and lots of Q and A's and even last night done a shot with the fans before the game because it was tradition and stuff and yeah. and it's not it's not for show you know because it, you know the fan event we done in, in Philadelphia he's, he's genuinely asking the question what what do you want from us you know what can the club do better what how can we engage you more how can we because it feels like for the, the whole time under the previous owner it was, it was the fact the, the, the complete opposite you know. So, I read, I read back through the, your autobiography and the yeah. Newcastle sections, and it's like it's, it's difficult to, you know, it's yeah. difficult to read. Yeah. And you use words like towards the end, whether it's about performance or the way you were treated. You use words like embarrassment, disgrace, disgraceful, yeah. hurt. You, you'd lost, as you sort of put it, you'd lost that part of it. It's a very cool thing. And it's like, yeah. but you're a Newcastle legend. This is <laughs> your club. Well, yeah. But. It, but, it, but well, yeah, that's, why, it, that's it how did. it felt because obviously I went to Man City after and then, you know, I seen, for example, Company and Zabaleta and, and sort of the, the send-offs they got for yeah, yeah. a farewell and a thank yeah. you and a, and a chance to thank the fans, I suppose, as a player, you know, but I had quite the opposite. It was, it felt like, I don't know if you read the book about the, you know, the 10% sell on and yeah. stuff, that there was a gun to my head on transfer deadline. If you don't put a transfer request and you're not moving and stuff, and that was purely a financial thing. Maybe two things. One was financial. And the other thing was, the same day it was released in the one of the evening papers. I'll let you work out which yeah. one it was. Yeah, yeah. That you know, after he asked for a transfer request, there's nothing we could do. Yeah. So not only like it was, you know, it was it was just twisting the knife at the end. You know what I felt, and it, and and I see other players leave clubs and, and and they've got a chance to find fans and and you know from the age of 21 to 33, it's you know I, I give them my best years to yeah. the football club. You know, and you, you give everything in training, you give everything for match days and stuff. You know, and it just felt that could have been dealt with so much better with, with the club and I know as people would say well you decided to leave and, and, and I did and there's no getting away from that and, yeah, but the way the club was getting run I mean if the club was getting run how it is now you know you'd, you'd be you'd be doing the opposite you'd be desperate to stay and you'd be buzzing to, for the next season and all that you know what I mean but you were there through it all George it was it was it was just dragging it was, the, it was a, we talk about the leadership at the club now there was no leadership there was no there was no excitement there was no hope there was no it was just run on survival, really, wasn't it? You know. So how do you feel for this to be your club again? Yeah, it feels nice, you know, because 2009 when I left is a long time ago, wasn't it? And now, you know, when you see, you've just seen yourself, like the, the reaction from the fans and uh, and the way they made me feel welcome. You know, just not just here, but you know, I do the, the games for TV up opposite James's Park before the games and after, and just walking the streets of Newcastle. You know, there's there's a there's a warmth there, like you know, and. and you know, comments like it'll be great to see you back. We'd love to see you, you know, part of part of a, the club, you know, long term and all this kind of. But just like, you know, they don't forget. I suppose that's the thing. They, 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 they I suppose, appreciate after you've gone, or they appreciate what you did when you were there. I suppose, and, and it's quite refreshing now to see, you know, fans here in America. But of course, in back in Newcastle as well, they've, they've made me feel, you know, part of the club again. And and, and again, I spoke about TV. You're supposed to be a neutral, like, but I find it very difficult to be neutral yeah, yeah. when it's talking about Newcastle, but. You know, but some, but sometimes you, no, but sometimes you, you, I think that's an emotional game as well, and you, and, and you want to stick up for Newcastle, and you want to stick up for the black and white jersey because you've done for so long as a player, you know. So I'm, I'm not shying away from the fact that maybe I'm slightly biased when, when I'm talking about them, and I think they deserve support as well. But it's it's important that you should be able to look back on what was a huge chunk of your life yeah. and accept it as yours. Yeah. And sort of, again, and I think because of the way it ended, yeah. you weren't sort of able to do that. No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. And suppose I'll never get the chance either. I never had a chance of testimonial. I never had any sort of things like that, you know. So there's always a little bit of, 
the regret's not the right word because it was my decision to leave in them, I suppose. Yeah. But I just, I just felt like after all those years, you know, whatever they paid one and a half for me, and they got six or seven back for me, and nearly 500 games. Like it's, there's a lot happening between you know them 12 years, but I just wish it could have been smoother. Just, just a, not a major, but even just a thank you, thank you lap, just a yeah. pitch or yeah, something. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm not asking for like fire brigades going off in the background <laughs> and stuff, but and, and uh, things like that. But just it would have been nice to, to sort of left in, in better terms, you know. But I think the real fans appreciate like what I've done, and the real fans like now you seeing trips like this are you know still coming up hugging you and thanks for all you've done for the club yeah, and all yeah. that. So that makes you feel very special when that yeah. happens, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you can get emotional thinking about it, but at the same time, you get emotional. Uh, no, 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 no. You do, you do, you do. Even talking about things on on stage and stuff, you know. But it's just nice to feel part of it again. It's nice to have the crest on your chest again, and you know you've had that for so many times, you know. So it's just nice to be part of it, and, and and you feel part of it, you know. You feel it, you know. I say a lot of times we week with Meredad and his son, he's mad goalkeeper, like and stuff, and, and built up a relationship there, you know. But he's just just a kid, he's only eight or whatever, and he, he likes loves football, loves goalie, like. But again, you know, it made me feel so part of everything they're doing, you know, and, and very open with everything, you know. So I can't thank them enough for actually bringing me on the trip. Yeah. But again, it's it's, it's a, maybe a chance for me just to say thanks to everyone as well, you know. But, and I do feel part of it, so that's that's all I can say about it, really. Yeah. I know, it's okay, you do get emotional thinking about it, yeah, but no, it's good. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Right, chaps, let's talk football then. There are a million and one news stories to catch up on, uh, so we'll continue this discussion on Thursday. But Tonali signs the first big bit of business. Newcastle reach for the checkbook again and get their primary transfer target, Chris. This is a big deal, isn't it? Let's be honest. It is a very, very big deal. It was actually, the story was confirmed as George and Jacob were hosting, I don't know, some people may have listened to this on the podcast feed, they were hosting yeah, a live so I, room on our, on our app, yeah. and uh, yeah, George abused me on that as well and cut me off, but uh, beyond that, it is very important, it's a very important bit of business, I mean this, George wrote about it recently and, and, and described it as a statement signing, now Eddie Howe comes out and, and as people at the club try and play it down, the talk of wanting statement signings, but this, in, in a way that other ones have been, this is, Newcastle have gone out and signed a player who won Serie A, not last season, but the season before, got the Champions League semi-final last year, AC Milan didn't really want to lose him, Chelsea were very interested, other clubs around Europe see uh, the potential in him because he's already a very good player but he's only 23 years of age he's going to get better he's moving into his prime 
and to have brought them to the club to have someone other than just Bruno Guimaraes in midfield who can be that sort of creative force. He isn't exactly the same sort of player as Bruno, but he also is someone who can take the ball in uh, tight situations, who can make things happen, who has athletic, who will get forward, who brings something different, that extra uh, dimension in midfield which Newcastle have been looking for. And he comes with that big game experience and with Champions League experience which not much of Newcastle squad have. So I think this is a huge sign in midfield. Wasn't addressed in January as Eddie Howe wanted it to be. But I suppose if you'd have asked him then, if you don't sign anyone now, but you can have Sandro Tonali in the summer, I think he probably would have taken that. I, I, when you talk about that thing as a statement, I think that's us saying that. I mean, the club don't have to. Yeah. You know, the club don't have to say it. But if you take a step back, this is the first time that they've gone to an, an elite club for an elite player with other elite clubs interested in him and 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 got him and so they've done you know they've gone sort of toe to toe at that level bringing you know a young 23 year old fella Italy international as chris says with his best years ahead of ahead of him to newcastle is a big deal and there's another part to it too. So Newcastle have signed high-profile players since the takeover. I mean, you know, going back to the first one of the lot, Kieran Trippier, that was a huge statement for the club. Again, they might not want to use that word, but it was. It was a signature statement. And the fact that he had the um, capability to sort of see the project, as it's word, as it's called, and buy into it was massively important for Newcastle and others flowed from it. But there's a, and you can make the same... Same sort of statement about Bruno, who, um, you know, Newcastle did their research on and kind of got him under the noses of bigger clubs, you'd say. But again, no relegation get-out clause, um, buying into something. Tonali is different. So, again, he's a massive player and has all those things. He's not buying into anything. He is joining. He is, he is, he is a fella who's played in the Champions League semi-final who is joining a Champions League team. And... You know, that's not to say that Newcastle's journey is over, because it's not, and um, there's still a way to go. But I think that's a big difference in intent. You know, there's no romance to what Tonali is doing in particular. He's joining uh, a high-profile Champions League club. Um, you go back to Trippier, you go back to Bruno, and they were joining hope. You know, they were they were joining a dream, as it were. So I do think it's different, and it's been interesting sort of being around him um, a little bit um, sort of on the tour and talking to people. So I did a big piece sort of talking about him on this tour. They're still at the stage of getting to know him. So it's like Dan Byrne very openly said, I can't tell you very much about him. He's very quiet. He's really quiet. Yeah, he and I don't, like a quiet job. Yeah, and I don't know him yet. He was having a couple of English lessons whilst away. Wasn't sort of com- confident enough to, to talk in public a lot. And he's going to then have very, very intensive English lessons now that he's now that he's back home. But there is this sense, this kind of overwhelming sense amongst the squad that this is a signing that means business for Newcastle. I think it's a massive deal. In terms of on the pitch, we've not seen a lot of uh, what he can do yet. I think he's been sort of playing within himself and trying to kind of get to grips with uh, Eddie Howe's style, the team style. Again, Howe's talked about this. Dan Burns talked about this. It's really difficult to come into this team where everybody knows exactly what they should be doing um, and where they're supposed to be and what they're they're doing. We've seen this in the past with Anthony Gordon, who now looks like a different player. So I think it's going to take him a bit of time, but this is a massive deal. One, again, very interesting thing, I think, about it was 
the lengths Newcastle went to to cover their tracks at the early point of this transfer. They were linked very, very he- heavily with Barella into Milan. They were linked very, very heavily with Nemecha as well as a young alternative. But there was a bit of dark arts. I think there was a bit of dark arts going on at Bordeaux. Yeah, but level. a smoke screen, yeah, wasn't there? Yeah, there were smoke screens because Tonali was the one they wanted. They knew it couldn't come out. And so by the time it did come out, it was it was kind of pretty much done. So they weren't afraid to kind of, I don't want to say use the media, but, you know, use that sort of whole transfer window um, nonsense to to get their man. They knew it was a big deal and it, it feels like it. And as Chris said, um, sorry, I'm wittering on here. That's jet lag for you. It's absolutely vital that that there was someone alongside Bruno who can step in, play with him, obviously, but also step in if Bruno's not available. They're very, very conscious of the fact that Newcastle couldn't win a game last season when, when Bruno wasn't around. What I think is interesting is you, you now have discussions, and I've had them with several fans over the last few weeks, to say, well, who's who's going to start, though? If, you, if you're in the first choice of a field, who's going to start? And I always find this funny because it, it almost seems like, like a negative, that, but this is exactly what Eddie Howe wants. He wants, basically, options to be able to play in theory 2-11s, and you na- he now has... Tonali, and he's got Bruno Gimaraes, he's got Sean Longstaff, he's got Joe Linton, he's got Joe Willock, you've got Elliot Anderson playing extremely well. You have He has so many options, which is exactly what he wanted and needed. So what the way that he saw about improving the squad this year was to improve, bring in players who would improve his first 11, or be even be equivalent or better than his current first 11. And Tonali certainly is that. He's different to what they have. And so you, now you have this balance of, of who's going to play where. He can pick different systems Systems. Uh, he can yeah. play different combinations in different yeah. games depending on what he needs. He, maybe he can rest Bruno Gimaraes from time to time. He can put someone else deeper. Mm-hmm. Same with Tonali. Sometimes they can play together in a two. Sometimes it can be in a three. This is exactly the flexibility that Newcastle, I think, have needed as well as that Eddie Howe has wanted. I think that towards the end of last season, they did look a little bit stale in some ways. They, they, they managed to get over the line, but teams worked them out a little bit towards the end of the season. They had a few more draws than they wanted, and bringing in someone like Tonali just increases both the competition and the options. There's so much variety and 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 uh, versatility there now as well in, in that, that left-hand side attacking position as well. I know Alan St. Maximin's gone and we'll talk about that in a bit, but Joe Linton's played there last season, did it really well. Anthony Gordon's been brought in. Harvey Barnes has has come, has come in as well, who we'll talk about in just a second. The options now across the front and in the midfield are are superb. I'm still a little bit unsure about the defence and how that's going to work because I don't think there's an awful lot of strength and depth there. But the the midfield is looking great in great shape and, and the attacking line as well looks pretty good. Midfield and attacking midfield looks like a sort of real strength, doesn't it? Again, and yeah, we'll 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 talk about more uh, talk about this more in our second show this week. What a what a luxury to be able to say that. But obviously, Elliot Elliot Anderson, I think, was probably the standout player from the tours to the United States. Thought he was absolutely brilliant, scoring four goals and making a few. And then, of course, there's Lewis Miley, and don't want to. Uh, pile too much pressure on his shoulders at the age of seventeen, but you sort of have to, you, you do have to mention that seventeen-year-old thing. My God, he come, he's come into the team, and whether he started or came on from the bench, he he makes Newcastle look calmer and cooler, and he's got this incredible composure. He's got this sort of statuesque style, really good. I'm not saying he's immediately going to be coming in and challenging for a first-team place from the off, but. He, on that evidence, he doesn't look he doesn't look too far away. Very very exciting, and yeah, if this is the if this is the season that Elliot Anderson really 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 pushes, 
um, then suddenly there are options everywhere. As you say, Sean Longstaff didn't feature in America, neither did Joe Willock. So there's a lot of variation there. It's not there across the rest of the pitch, but those that, that bit of it does look really strong. As I mentioned just before there as well, Harvey Barnes jetted in to the pre-season tour, even if Eddie Howe remained tight-lipped right up until the last minute. Chris, I don't know about you, but I bloody love this. I love the idea of Eddie Howe standing there going, oh, I don't know anything about that. Well, Harvey Barnes is probably 20 feet behind him in a room somewhere, just, just milling about. Eddie Howe just shutting it all down. No, I don't know anything about that. Uh- are you saying that Eddie Howe sometimes disingenuous no. when he makes these comments about this? No, <laughs> tricky, trickster, isn't he? It's cheeky. It's funny because I was I was in that press conference, obviously, where he sort of says, "Yeah, yeah." I've know, just seen him in the lobby, Eddie. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking it's, about. It's, it's like it's like there's like no point asking those questions, but yeah, it's very. It's I wish very, Harvey Barnes had just appeared behind him like that. Very, that would have been amazing, yeah. just waving. But it was it was pretty astonishing that you know when when he he made that first appearance and. You know, how was sort of asked about him, you know, what's what's he been like behind the scenes? It's like, well, there hasn't been behind the scenes. He effectively got off the plane and went on the pitch. That that was the first ball in that game, that was the first ball he kicked for Newcastle. You know, so he hadn't he hadn't trained with them at all, but but came straight into it and then already looks like he's been been around forever. Um and yeah, so that was that was you know, that was very good. And we got we had a chance to to chat to him as well. Seems like he's uh, seems like he's a very sensible lad, very excited about about being um, about being at the club, and so he should be. And again, you know, he's joining a he's joining a Champions League club. I mean, it's like uh, it's kind of crazy, really, when you think about it. Um, and so I think that's two, yeah, two really, really good, um, solid uh, additions to the squad. I think it changes the makeup of the squad. I think it subtly, and I think. You know, obviously Barnes comes in as Alas at Maximal leaves. I think it does change the makeup of the squad too, but we should come on and come on and talk about him too. Go on, Chris. I think if you were to construct a winger from 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 scratch, then I think that Harvey Barnes would pretty much be what Eddie Howe would look would look for in a sort of wide player. He'll do everything that Eddie Howe wants. He he is athletic. He still, at the age of 25, I think is malleable enough to that there is room for improvement from his time at Leicester. I think there's certain areas where Leicester, they got a bit frustrated that he maybe didn't kick on, which Eddie Howe and his coaching staff I believe they'll be able to coax more out of. He's someone who is direct. He scores goals and brings assists, which is exactly what Newcastle have been looking for from wide positions. They had Miguel Almiron do it on one side, Last season, but can he play both sides, Chris? Well, I think he primarily plays on the left, but he he can he can play on both sides, and he can he's also played in a couple of other positions before. I think he prefers to be on the left because the main attribute he Cutting has in. is the ability yeah. to cut in. Yeah. He can use both feet, but to cut in, particularly on his on his right foot, and to, to shoot with his his right foot and and score from those positions. But Newcastle had Miguel Almiron scoring a lot of goals last season on the right. They didn't so much have that on the left, and towards the end of last season, obviously Alexander Isak was playing out left. I don't think that's sustainable for him to be starting games out left. I don't think he gets the best out of him. and Or at least to, to, to know that he's going to be starting out there. I think to have someone like Harvey Barnes there. Obviously, you mentioned the competition Anthony Gordon brings in. But, but just something a little bit different in those games where defences are a little bit tight. 
someone who he isn't really a dribbler. He's more of a sort of pass and goes. A really good uh, piece from Michael Cox on 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 the athletics. Sort of the one two player he? he is. Yeah, one two. one two. All all about one twos and then and then scoring from from those positions. And I mean, thirteen goals last season in a team that that was relegated uh, for for a left winger is, is no is no mean feat. And and I mean, he's consistent. It's not just last season. He's consistently scored goals over the course of of the last few years. So I think it is. It, I know a lot of people are sad to see Ansat Maximan go. I am in so many ways as well. But I think that I think that to develop and to move Newcastle forward, it was to add goals into wider positions. And unfortunately, because of FFP financial fair players will come on to, they sort of had to sacrifice uh, Ansat Maximan. They yeah. had to move someone on both for squad numbers and because of that. And in Harvey Barnes, it freshens up. It brings a different element to Newcastle a different side to the next season which you always need something fresh I think going from season to season because otherwise it can become stale and teams will start to work you out yeah the big story uh, in departures Alanson Maximan has moved to Saudi Arabia uh, lots of nonsense about his destination being written but the price uh, is more than fair for the buy-in club George isn't it yeah it feels it feels like it obviously the the story that kind of Newcastle are effectively negotiating with themselves or PIF are effectively negotiating with themselves as sort of has intrigued a lot of people and caused a lot of comment but certainly compared to some of the fees and some of the prices and that we've seen other players go across there from other clubs it feels like Newcastle have got the worst end of of, of that deal I think I mean is I, there I, a, an element of them kind of playing it safe here with this and also with the front of shirt sponsorship sponsorship as well they've had to do that you know they or they feel like they've had to do that and um again in spite of a lot of the kind of criticism they've got or you know oh how how difficult can it have been for newcastle's marketing department to sign a deal you know with a saudi company front of shirt they've the reason why everything has taken so long is that they've had to show that those things are fair market value and what that's actually meant is is having discussions. I mean, so they should. They've gone to the market to try and have discussions with lots of interested companies. People won't be surprised that they've ended up with a Saudi company, but they've they've had to demonstrate that it's you know that it's not a spoof, that it's real, that it's worth this amount of money, and so it's undervalued rather than overvalued. And I would say the same thing applies to to Alain Saint Maxima. I think that's really on the lower end of his worth that's easy for me to say and I know that lots of other clubs weren't particularly queuing up to buy him so he's he's worth he's worth what he's worth but it's not it's not an inflated deal as far as Newcastle are concerned I would like to say I mean he was you know he's he's the last of the Cavaliers isn't he I mean I'm not saying that Newcastle have been kind of blessed with loads of them but this is this is the summer where the roundheads Eddie Howe's roundheads take over I'm not saying that in a I'm not using the word roundhead as a uh, as a criticism, it's just that's what this team is. It's um, it's work first, it's effort, it's all the rest of it, and those are the non-negotiables. It's that intensity thing. I've said this loads of times about Saint Maxima. If I, if if intensity is our identity, where does he fit in? And ultimately, you know, I don't think he did quite. And so they lose a little bit of magic, and we you know we we do have to send him on his way with with all best wishes because. During some pretty awful times for the club, he was the one player that provided us with something else. Him and Callum Wilson, you know, you just knew that if they didn't play, Newcastle weren't going to win. And I mean, even when they did play, they didn't win that much. But um, but he was a yeah, he's just a superbly talented footballer. Gave us some absolutely lovely moments, but um, I don't think was quite the right fit. And I think Harvey Barnes is the right fit. So. Uh, or certainly that 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 model that style of player, 
Chris's baby sounds absolutely uh, sick of life, as I'm sure everybody else is listening to me. So I'll, maybe I'll stop talking. Can you hear George talking? Is that what it is, Chris? <laughs> I think that's a yeah, yeah. I, I I decided to turn up thinking that it would send him to sleep, but actually no, he's just it's just terrified at the prospect of hearing that. But, I'm sorry. Um, I just just on just on Sam Maximan. I mean, I'll be honest that. In hindsight, if you'd asked me in November 2021 if Alan St. Maximan would still have been here up till this point, I probably would have said no. I'd have thought he'd have gone earlier. I didn't yeah. see, having spoken to people who'd worked with Eddie Howe previously, having oh, everything that I knew about Alan St. Maximan, I just saw that, as George mentions, that sort of the, the intensity, that lack of sort of game plan and structure would mean he would move on sooner. But what Eddie Howe has done very, very well as well is he hasn't just come in and been like, this is the exact sort of player I need. These are my credentials. He's brought different things out of people. He did exactly the same with John Joe Shelby. People have maybe had a shelf life of a certain period of time under him, but he's used the resources at his disposal. And last season, internally, Newcastle saw Alan St. Maximan as absolutely vital in certain matches. I mean, just the way that he terrorised Manchester City, particularly early on the season, the goal of the season contender against Wolves, which may have been his only goal last season but that that I think that when people say that's the only goal because I think that does uh, downplay the actual worth he has to, to Newcastle whenever he played three players were on him particularly towards the end that creates space for others he can make things happen out of nothing he brings excitement from the crowd and he brings them into the game which is exactly what Eddie Howe wants at St James's Park as well so I went across to France in 2019, did a piece on Alain Maximan, and it was fascinating hearing from people at the time about him. And I remember speaking to one of his coaches who basically said that he had to pull him off in one match when he was playing the game. Excuse me, Chris? <laughs> he had to do what, Chris? He was exciting the crowd so much. What? Good heavens. He he had to substitute oh. him in one match when he when he, when he was young because he kept repeatedly just going and, and constantly doing the same trick on on the fullback over and over and over again. And rather than passing the ball, having got past him, he would go back and do the same trick. And that's Alan Saint Maximan. He's there to, to he's on the pitch because he wants to have fun. He wants to entertain. He is a little bit different. And I'm sure every single Newcastle fan out there will have some wonderful Alan Saint Maximan memories. They'll have some frustrating ones as well. There'd been so much frustration during that time, but also. There'll be some wonderful, it's, wonderful it's, moments. In the yeah, I totally agree. It's an interesting one as well this season because I think, you know, I do think we'll see even more teams come to St. James's Park and sit back now. And I think that will be something that we have to get used to and deal with. It will be, you know, that very familiar sort of thing of team sitting back, waiting for the crowd to f- get frustrated, waiting for the team to get frust- frustrated, all the rest of it. And in those moments, you 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 often can do with a player who can break teams down, they'll need more of that. So, um, but they're losing, you know, they're losing their sort of one big game changer in that in that sense and they're getting a bit more reliability and hoping that they can do, do it a different way, whether it's one-twos as we were talking about, giving goes and and doing it like that as opposed to sort of being run at and, be, and being beaten. So, yeah, it's so in that sense, it's a bit of a gamble, but we also know that they're at the stage where they had to, they had to recycle in order to bring money in. Yeah. I have three words to sum up my memories of Alan Maximan. Oxford United, helicopter. The peenicopter, as he called it, yeah. The peenicopter, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we mentioned it earlier on, Chris, uh, and it's possibly the driest subject in the world, and I'm absolutely sick about talking about it. But where does all of this leave us with FFP? It was a big deal to get somebody out the door uh, for a fee, uh, someone on decent wages, and Alan St. Maximan has been the one who's left. 
Where does it leave the club with regards to financial fair play? Well, we know in January that Newcastle had gone to the very, very limits of FFP when they signed Anthony Gordon, that that, that was something that they, they had to... And, and Eddie Howe went in this summer talking about Newcastle having to be creative in the transfer market because... And then they, they go and, and pull off such a huge deal in, in Sandro Tonali. Obsessed with pulling um, people off. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Oh, my God. I have not missed this. Um, <laughs> I have, I have, desperately. They said that they they managed to bring in. They managed the coup of bringing in uh, Sandro Tonali for the fee that, that they did. But beyond that, it became clear behind the scenes. And I think there was I think there was some frustration as, as there always is. I mean, managers always want more players. They always want their squad to be stronger. Certainly, if you're Eddie Howe and you're going from having taken a team who 18 months previously were relegation prime relegation fodder to the Champions League, that you want even greater depth. And so they had they had to get creative, and that meant that they had to to move someone out. That became Ansat Maximan, and so they brought in Harvey Barnes. I th- there is still money, from what I understand. I'm not as, as up on it as, as as George and Jacob are at the moment, because obviously I'm off opportunity leave. But from from what I understand from conversations I've had, that that, that potentially another permanent, or and otherwise they may look to to loans with with obligations or options to buy, because they do still need to strengthen. Obviously, we know they really like Tino Livramento. Uh, at Southampton, uh, the, the the right back uh, or well, full back can play both positions. He's very highly rated, and certainly Eddie Howe is pushing for further signings. But they they, they don't have bucket loads of, of 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 cash. They don't have huge amounts of room wages wise in the in the budget still. Even Ansa Maximan has given them some wriggle room, but it's not as if they can just go and sign another five or six players. It will still take some more creative uh, movement in the market. Well then, chaps, unless there's anything else to add, should we wrap things up? Well, we've got a second show, haven't we, Tony? We've got a second show. Well, exactly. I know. We've got a lot. We've all the time in the world now. We've got all... Yeah, we have a lot more to chat about. We've got, uh, yeah, other people who've made impacts for the summer tour. We've got uh, how the team has taken shape. Loads and loads more to do, but we've got another show. So come on, let's, let's, let's spread it there. And in the meantime, as well, if you want to hear more from George, Chris, and of course our Jacob, who isn't with us this week, uh, get yourselves over to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod to sign up for The Athletic and pay just $1.99 a month for 12 months. Chaps, it's been fun. It's been really good fun to get back uh, and do this again. Thanks a lot, Chris, uh, for joining us. You're very, very welcome. And thank you, George, in your... Uh, jet-lagged state for dragging your arse on uh, the podcast. Well, I'd, there's nowhere else I'd rather be, except, um, yeah, I feel that this was a bit pre-season-y from me. I think I need to definitely raise raise my game in the coming days and weeks. Not at full match fitness quite yet. Oh, fucking no. no nowhere near. Have you ever been at full no, match nowhere fitness? Nowhere near, no. I've, I mean, I've been operating at about 35% efficiency for the last 25 years, but I'm, I'm, I'm way below those levels. Lovely stuff. Right then, chaps. Let's hear Chris talking about pulling people off a bit more before we go. I'm not sure I'm going to return for the second podcast this week. I might just, I might just, you know, abstain. (laughs) Right, I think that's the best place to leave it there, chaps. Thank you very much for your time and thank you for all you out there listening as well. Uh, Enjoy uh, your week and we shall speak to you on Thursday. Doesn't that sound weird? shouldn't play football on Thursdays, but you should definitely listen to Pod on the Time. Thanks a lot. We'll speak to you soon. Goodbye.
The Athletic.